everybody. Hi, you're listening to Talk Crooked, the social justice and comedy podcast where two friends laugh, cry, and rage about an unspeakable subject while enjoying adult beverages. My name is Kay. I'm Carrie. And tonight I have a shot of Fireball. Ugh. Um, <laughs> I'm just I'm- kidding. Fireball's <laughs> delicious. It just sounds terrible because I'm so full. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to drink it slow, though. I'm going to sip on it. With my wine. You're going to sip your shot? Yeah. Okay. Don't judge me. That's it's been a, a choice. few days. <laughs> That's a choice. Uh, it's been a rough day for both of us. It's very late at night. And <laughs> in adult world, it's very late at night. Mm-hmm. And uh, I yeah, we're going to see how this goes. I started back to work this week. And I've worked mm-hmm. 22 hours in three days. Honey. At a business that's not doing business. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, because everything media related has been released online early. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's ridiculous. It, it truly is fucking ridiculous. And I'm done. I'm yep. Just- I had a crisis at work today, too, that was fully preventable and... I didn't get in trouble because it wasn't my fault, but it was Good. definitely a, uh, it definitely took my entire morning. <laughs> I'll just say that. Yeah, it was, it was an adventure, so we're both tired. It's been a long day, and, uh, happy Memorial Day, everybody. Yeah. Woot woot. N- knowing my place of work, we're still working. <laughs> They're because nothing to, matters. They're going to be working, but um, I am not because I have, I will have worked literally every day up until then. And um, oh, do you have my, a day off? Not until Monday. And right, but that's your yeah, day off. That's going to be my only day off. That Good. well, that and Saturday will be my day off. Gladly, nice. But um. Yeah, Monday is my mom's birthday, so I'm going to be at home and celebrate with her. Happy birthday, Karen. Yes, happy birthday. Nice. We're going to get a Riley's birthday cake for both of us since they weren't open on my birthday and split it. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, just a little one. You guys going to stay in your PJs and snuggle and eat cake? Yeah, probably. (laughs) That'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, So. This comes out the 25th, so um, this coming weekend, my d- I, Josh and I are going to go up to my parents' house. They have been quarantining, by the way, mm-hmm. just like we have, and they've been down to visit us, and we've, you know, because we've all been being safe, so you can bounce between two locations, and they do not live out of the state either, so we've they've been very safe, we've been very safe, so just in case anybody flips out, um, <laughs> but we're going to go up to my parents house next weekend well this coming weekend as this is released um (laughs) and uh we're gonna surprise my dad for his retirement because his last day of work is june 2nd and i'm so excited for him and he asked me to make him a cheesecake so i'm gonna make him a cheesecake and we're gonna come up and surprise him for his retirement good that'll be fun yeah it'll be really good I'm excited. <laughs> and I'm excited to eat cheesecake. I've been resisting the urge to make a cheesecake this entire quarantine because 
Um, I usually make cheesecake when I know I can take it somewhere and there won't be an entire cheesecake in my fridge. <laughs> I get that. And so, but I like figured something out to do with the crust the other day that I really want to try mm-hmm. to see if it makes it work better. And, but I've been like, but I can't make a cheesecake because I don't have anywhere to take it. Like yeah. <laughs> it can't, it would be in my fridge and then I would have an entire cheesecake and I would eat that cheesecake. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so that. I'm excited. I'm gonna make it. I, he likes the way I make it at Christmas, so uh, I'm gonna do the ch- the dark chocolate crust, the classic filling, and then some chocolate ganache on top. Ooh! And it's gonna be delicious. Fun. Oh my God, Carrie! What? I completely forgot to tell you about this. Oh um, no! What? I had. I don't know what it is, but I get the weirdest interactions when I go to the store. I don't know what the fuck is on my head but (laughs) i went to the store tonight and and i promise this is my last story for you before we get started but (laughs) it's okay (laughs) um we're trying to keep it tight you guys because it's very late at night yeah (laughs) it's past my bedtime i figure you guys might enjoy this um (laughs) so i'm in the checkout lane and um i'm I got my stuff, like, it's all in the cart, and the guy that was bagging my stuff went to get my ice and my mom's cigarettes, and so I'm standing there, just kind of awkwardly staring at this cashier, and she, she starts looking at my tattoos, and she's like, oh, you know, where'd you go and get those, and, you know, I told her, and I showed her the one on my thigh, because I told her where she needed to go if she was going to get a big one, and, like, Mm -hmm. if she wanted, like, good quality. And she's like, oh, yeah, well, my boyfriend died a few years ago. He um, he died in a train accident. We don't know if he was murdered or if he committed suicide. What? They ruled it a suicide. Carrie, what the fuck? Carrie, the, this is the conversation. Why do people tell you these things? <laughs> I don't know. But this is the conversation I was having while I was stuck there waiting on my mom's cigarettes. And I'm just like, can't. Can I can can I just pay and leave? Like I'm sorry, but I don't know. Grief counseling exists. Yeah, this is not. I just need. (laughs) Oh my god! I I thought your mom was quitting. (laughs) How? uh, Well, no. (laughs) She was sore subject. (laughs) Um, And then quarantine happened, and it was too stressful. Yeah. Um, and no one at her work knows how to do their jobs, and she's... Oh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, she's... Yeah. But, um... Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I understand. I can relate heavily today. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, this girl just goes on and on, and I'm just like, I, I, how do you end that conversation? Like, oh, God. That is not small talk that we need to be having. Okay, what's my total? <laughs> But like ha- she have have a good day. <laughs> she was telling me about like all that she was gonna get, and then she's like, and then I'm gonna get you know my scars covered up, and she shows me all her self harm scars, and she's like, oh my god, yeah, that happened after the train accident, and I was like, okay, well I hope you find a great artist. I have to go. <laughs> Here's my therapist's card. Bye. 
And then I went and got oh my god, like you guys, liquor for the house. We are. How do you even? (laughs) I was gonna say like we are not shitting on like the fact that she's in grief or the fact that she was self harming. But why would you tell a stranger that? Yeah, like (laughs) I'm just like there's a difference between tolerance and being uncomfortable. Yeah, like (laughs) that's not. Like I, I was so frustrated. Like I just wanted not the to go time home. or the place. Yeah, no. and it's I was like, just well, like, I'm stuck in line at Walmart, so I'm exactly where I want to be. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, oh god. God. Yeah. I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. Mm. I feel like that's what Martin Starr says on Parks and Rec, the one episode that he's in, <laughs> where he, you know, the one where Leslie. I don't know how far you ever got in Parks and Rec, but... I got up uh, to, like, the last couple of seasons. Oh, you did? So there's, mm-hmm. like, the one where she um, she sets up this whole crazy scavenger hunt for Ben. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. ends up in the Snow Globe Museum. You know that one? Yeah. And he's just like, hey, how are you? And he's like, well, I'm working the night shift on Valentine's Day at a Snow Globe Museum, so I'm exactly where I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, a DoorDash driver said something like that to me one night. I was like, how are you? And he was like, I can't complain, I'm no one will listen. And I right. was just like, okay, you oh, have honey. a great night. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what to say to that, I'm sorry. <laughs> Here's an amazing tip, bye. <laughs> Thank you for everything. Would you like some toilet paper? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's awful. Yeah, it's just, why? Why? Oh, Lord. The guy stole my cart and then the girl thought I was her counselor. Like, I don't, I don't know. You have one of those faces. You've got to start doing the pickup thing, girl. I'm telling you. (laughs) You don't have to talk to anybody. We do it most of the time, but it's so backed up, we'd have to wait like a week. And like, they're only letting people. We do it a week ahead of time. Well, they're only letting people get two packages of meat. Mm-hmm. And my mom and I eat a lot of meat. Mm. So there's a lot of grocery trips to be had. I gotcha. We, uh, my, my husband's father sorry. butchered two cows before the, at the start of all of this. So we have a ton of fucking meat. <laughs> yeah, you see, I live in Bowling Green. Where there's yeah, I know. Where there's a whole lot of butchering of cows happening. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. You you and I live in very been, different worlds, we do. We've been very blessed. <laughs> uh. Oh, Lord. All right, well. <laughs> That's not what we're week, talking about today, is it? No. This week, we are talking about white, white male, male terrorism. terrorism. I'm excited about this one because I think it's important. Um, I and kind of especially on Memorial Day because you know, I don't know. Soldiers lay down their lives for us to have you know freedoms and things like that, and these people are shitting on that. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Ooh. reason why I picked this one, um, I was kind of in a place when I picked these ten. But yeah, this has been a heavy 10 and I'm not happy about it. <laughs> the next one is not going to be so bad. I'm really excited about the next 10. But um, <laughs> I, I was like in the midst of my school semester and it was not going so well. And 
But I had just discovered Corpse Husband. And she decided I'm, to take it out on all of us. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm it's very okay. sorry. But um, I, w- I had just started listening to Corpse Husband. And I came across this video that he did. And it was... The whole video was just a first-person account of a, um, a, a person that survived a mass shooting. And it... Oh, wow. Sat on my heart so heavily that I wanted to put this in. Which, thankfully, those have gone down because people aren't aren't out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but since 2013, the numbers are like, we've had one mass shooting a day. That's how many we've had. And, um, And people are becoming numb to it. Yeah, and I think it's important to realize that people are dying because of this yes. and that terrorists are not who the media wants us to think they are and true um, i think well just think the vocabulary is being misused yeah you know what i'm saying exactly so let's call a spade yeah. a spade mm-hmm. it's not sexual assault it's rape it's not a mass shooting it's fucking terrorism so yeah um so let's start with the definition, shall we, because of that? Yes. So I thought it was important to define the word terrorism at the top of this. I have kind yes. of a long segment, but um, I think it, I found a lot of really important things. So um, so terrorism is a noun, in okay. case you're wondering. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a person, it's the place, unlawful, idea. Yes, it is. And uh, <laughs> it's the unlawful use of violence and intimidation, especially against civilians in the pursuit of political aims. Mhm. So, um, I found a really good article. Um, Political. I, I'm sorry. I'm gonna um, interrupt crush, me. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna crush that definition for a second. I don't think it's just political aims anymore. Well, it's not. But you also have to think of what political what political means. It doesn't necessarily mean like Democrat or Republican. It's it's. Like, hey, I'm a dude and I hate women, so I'm going to go to Trainwreck, the premiere of the movie Trainwreck, and shoot up a bunch of ladies. True. Okay. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. it's it's ideology. Pursuit of a certain ideology. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I found a really good article, um, a Canadian article, but everything in it applies to the United States as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important to know that it's not just happening here in the United States. And I think that... There's a lot of reasons as to why this is happening, and um, I found I just found this part really fascinating. And then um, we'll talk about uh, some of the stuff in the U.S. Okay. So um, this is from theconversation.com, and the article was called. I did not use the whole article. I just used kind of the second half of it because it was really long. Um, so, uh, the, the article is called, Let's Call the Nova Scotia Mass Shooting What It Is, White Male ter- Terrorism. And then, uh, this was actually written April 23rd, 2020. So. Wow. Recent. Up on it. So, um, the, the subtitle is The Normalization of Male Violence. And, um, so before anybody gets their butt in a wad... About the fact that we're specifically calling out white white dudes. Let me just say. So let's talk. <laughs> let's get into this article because it's they they really broke it down well. So, regardless of specific motive, the fact that Canadian mass murders have been exclusively committed by men, 
makes this violence explicitly gendered. Mm-hmm. So this is where we are gendering. <laughs> 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 this is a time that we are gendering because it's it's important and it's relevant. Yeah. Um, this is male violence and, as such, must be linked to other forms of male violence and understood as gender-based violence. While the term gender-based violence primarily implies violence on the basis of gender identity, gender presentation, or perceived gender, it also encompasses patriarchy and violence per- perpetrated by men. So in other words, regardless of specific motive, we need to consider these mass murders in relation to patriarchy and male social domination in Canada. I just thought that was beautifully put. Yes. So yes, it is gendered, and yes... That's what it is. That does not mean that all white men are terrorists, but it does mean that all of these terrorists are white men. It's like circles and rectangles. Yeah. Not circles and rectangles. Squares, Squares and, and rectangles. I'm so tired. Squares it's and like rectangles. It's like circles and rectangles. That's it's the title of the episode. Rectangles. Yes. <laughs> you know Write how no, n- no circles are rectangles and no rectangles are circles? <laughs> oh my God. Oh, <laughs> I'm so tired. Okay. It's okay. So, um, <laughs> patriarchy establishes what we refer to as, I don't know how to say this word, so I'm going to do my best. What we refer to as hegemonic. Hegemonic? He- hegemonic? Is that how you say it? I think so. H-E-G-E-M-O-N-I-C? Yeah, hegemonic. I haven't done any gender studies, so I don't I don't know what that word is. I'm sorry. So okay. hegemonic mas- masculinity, the dominant social definition of what it means is to be male and vi- of wait, sorry. The dominant social definition of what it means to be male and violence is a is an essential part of this. Okay? Mm-hmm. So in fact, violence plays a fundamental role in securing male dominance. Because patriarchal domination is predicated on the unfounded claims to male supremacy, violence serves to reinforce this illegitimate claim to social supremacy by force. And this has made me rethink some things. Like, if I have a little boy, I don't think I want any toy guns in the house. Yeah, I don't blame you on that. Swords? Sure. All the swords. Squirt guns, maybe. No toy guns. Yeah. When you're old enough, when you're like 11, I will give you a real BB gun and you will learn how to handle a real weapon, but I don't want it to be like wave around a gun like it's nothing. You know what I mean? I actually don't think we were allowed to have toy guns when I was growing up. I got in trouble on my first day of preschool because um, I was playing um, pretty much cops and robbers with this boy in my class that I just met. Mm -hmm. And we were pretending to shoot at each other with, like, finger guns, and we got in trouble and put in timeout. Oh, wow. Yeah. I remember that so vividly. It's, like, the only childhood memory that I recall very vividly. Yeah. Interesting. So, okay. So, to be a dominant socially acceptable male, then, involves the use of violence and aggression. And so this is based around like this certain ideology okay Mm -hmm. of course they're not saying that legitimately in order to be a socially accepted man you have to be violent and aggressive that's not at all true we're talking about social norms that have prevailed for a long time that are changing now yeah 
So to be a dominant socially acceptable man then involves the use of violence and aggression. And from birth, males are socialized into this violent hegemon. I can't I fucking hate this word hegemonic masculinity. And then we're not shitting on all masculinity either. This is a particular type of masculinity, okay? Yeah. So, for example... This is toxic masculinity. Yes. Karen would say. <laughs> yes. For example, in addition to action figures of superheroes who regularly use violence to, quote, save the world, my six-year-old son received two toy guns for Christmas last year. Ooh. Patriarchy normalizes this violence by ignoring, exonerating, and enshrining the right of men to commit violence. Think, it's, no, think about that. Like, no, no little girls are getting those toys. No. I mean, I wanted them. <laughs> I was super jealous that my cousins got a laser tag set and I got a magic wand. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But you can't but, say anything because then you're being rude. Well, and yeah. And ungrateful. Oh, and man, women are silent. My poor, my poor grandma is so mad about. Is so bad about that. And I'm just like, really, yeah. Like, like for example, and to be fair, her her mind is kind of going, but at the same time, this is not different <laughs> from yeah. my entire life. So she gave all the guys. She gives everybody these little gift bags, like kind of like a little like mini stocking, you know. Yeah. With, like, notepads and pens and candy and shit in there. Mm-hmm. He, she gave every single one of the guys a little Lego set of, like, a snowmobile. It was Aww. pretty badass. They were tiny, you know? Yeah. She gave me Legos for babies. She was like, I know you like Legos. And I was like, so I can make a whale. Cool. It says for two-year-olds, Grandma. <laughs> that was so rude. Yeah, she does not see it that way. I'm like, why didn't you just buy, give me the same thing as everybody else? It still would have been fine. It's fine. I'll keep it and give it to my child. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just that kind of separation that, so so you're seeing that this never, it, it, it doesn't really cross. Yeah. You know, you don't really see, I don't even think a cowgirl set comes with guns. No. Really. You know? You mm-hmm. might come with a rodeo rope or something, but I, I just, I don't, I don't think so. So it's, it's very much on boys. Um, and I mean, if you walk down that toy section, man, it I, is all about I just fighting don't and even, violence. Yeah. I just don't even go to the toy sections. We I can't even tell you. The, we do, but that's because we go to act, we look at action figures <laughs> and puzzles. So, um, cause we're old. So, um. So think of all the times you've heard someone dismiss male violence with the phrase, boys will be boys. Mm -hmm. This phrase is a tacit acceptance of male violence and the right of men to be violent. That's why people get mad about that phrase. Now, people are jumping on people all the time when they're like, oh, you know, like, my son peed in my coffee this morning. Boys will be boys. That's fucking funny. Yes. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's real. That happened to Josh's cousin the other day. Oh. Um, His youngest peed in his coffee. Of course. (laughs) because why wouldn't he he's a ginger with no soul of course he peed in your coffee um (laughs) i can say that my brother's a ginger and (laughs) um i hope my little wayne's a ginger oh my goodness that would be so amazing it would be gingers are the cutest babies so um (laughs) 
Uh, do, do, do. Okay, so the phrasing is frequently echoed in court cases of young men who have committed sexual assault or murder or both. The perpetrators are portrayed as good boys who simply took things too far. Courts, for their part, are notoriously lenient on white male perpetrators of violence, reinforcing the right of these men to do violence. Let's never forget about Brock Turner, who only got three months after brutally raping a girl and leaving her to die behind a dumpster. Mm-hmm. Let's never forget that because he was supposed to at least serve six months and he only served three because he was a fucking swimmer and it would quote unquote ruin his life. I was going to say, was that the swimmer? Yeah, Mm -hmm. fuck that. Sorry. You ruined your life. You're a fucking rapist. Yeah. (laughs) You had a violent tendency. Sorry, but that just means that one time you got caught. Mm -hmm. You've done this before. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Nothing sets me on fire more than stuff like that. Yeah, me too. It, it just, it, it creams my corn. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so, Burns my beans. um, yeah, next section. So mass murder is white male terrorism. Mm-hmm. Topic sentence. Um, <laughs> in addition to being an explicitly gendered crime, mass murder in Canada is also explicitly racialized. The perpetrators are overwhelmingly white males, and we must consider how race and particularly whiteness and white privilege operate here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, while hegemonic... <laughs> I, I'm totally saying that wrong. I just know it. While hegemonic masculinity and the right to use violence is open to all males, race and racism shape that tendency. To establish white male social supremacy, racist discourage, wait, racist discourses portray all racialized men as inherently violent and a perceived threat, justifying white male violence. Does that make sense? Yeah. So this is like how things are portrayed as like ooh the bad guys Middle Eastern or ooh the bad guy the bad guys are the black people or the or the Mexicans or you know when the president gets up and says that the rapists and the drug dealers are coming in from Mexico which is yep. absolutely not true nope. um, <laughs> at all you know then that's what then makes people feel justified to to act in this way yeah the principle this principle is exemplified in policing and the great the greater likelihood of b i p o c i don't know what that means i think B-I-P-O-C. it's people of color i think it's some kind of acronym that means people of color the greater likelihood of people of color who are male to be killed by police um but while violence is used to patho- pathologize racialized males and justify social domination and violence perpetrated against them, the violence of white males is justified, excused, and erased. BIPOC means um, black, indigenous, and people of color. Okay, that's what I and, thought. Uh, it, there's actually like a by BIPOC project. Um, it's to help um, undo native invisibility, anti-blackness, and dismantle white supremacy and advance racial yeah, justice. Yeah, there's a big thing going on in Canada with, with that. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Especially with indigenous people, they are literally ignored yeah. when it comes to crime. It's terrible. So, um, 
So why are white men more likely to commit mass murder? American masculinity scholar Michael Kimmel suggests that social justice efforts aimed at dismantling the social hierarchies that white men sit atop are creating, quote, angry white men with aggrieved entitlement. Which is fair. Like, I saw that in my mind kind of blue. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, yeah, that, that's got to be why. It's because you're used to being top dog shot... <laughs> top baller shot collar or whatever you know yeah and it's now all of a sudden everybody's on equal footing that's got to feel rough <laughs> yeah and some people are okay with it because that's what progress is and it's how things should be but some people can't handle it yeah and they re- resort to what they've always used which is violence and unfortunately Everyone has access to a lot of weaponry in this country. (laughs) And we should not. So, (laughs) no. No, they should not. He says, if you feel feel entitled and you have not got what you expected, that is a recipe for humiliation. And we've talked about this before, that what men fear most is humiliation and what women fear fear most is being raped and murdered. Mm -hmm. Enough said. (laughs) Um, (laughs) There's a big difference there. The big difference. And especially when your default setting is violence and grabbing a gun and a a bottle. You know what I mean? It's it's just a recipe for disaster. So, um, as hegemonic masculinity makes makes crystal clear, if your existence is being threatened, you have the right, indeed, in the minds of some mass killers, the responsibility to use violence and set things right. Which is absurd. (laughs) Addressing mass murder means taking a hard look at white masculinity and the normalization of violence. It requires that we, refu- that we refuse to dismiss mass murderers as mentally defective or a few, quote, bad apples. Instead, we must understand that the entire system of white masculinity is rotten. Mm-hmm. The core is right. You know that if there's a bad apple in a barrel, they throw out the whole barrel. Like, it's, it's not about that. It's not... It, you wouldn't you wouldn't eat a pan of brownies if there was just a little bit of dog poop in it, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because until we do, aggrieved white men will continue to commit mass murder and we will continue to pay the price. That's yes. why it's our responsibility as parents to raise boys better. Yeah. But I thought that was really well put as far as like just explaining the dichotomy there and how and breaking down why it's explicitly gendered and why it's explicitly raci- racialized. It was. You know? Yeah. I mean, I know it was a lot of like flowery language. Um, and I know I stumbled a lot. I'm very tired. Um, but <laughs> um, I also wrote these yesterday. I seem to do better when I wait till the last minute because it's fresh <laughs> in my head. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's interesting because we always, we always kind of put the blame on like it being untreated mental illness. And I think it's important to know that that's not really always the case. It's not always a schizophrenic dude that went off the rails. Sometimes it's somebody who feels like his footing is off and he's entitled to having solid footing and being treated a certain way. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. So it, it's important to note that this this starts at home. This starts with not normalizing violence at a young age. 
mm-hmm. and treating things seriously and understanding what death is and not, you know, <laughs> not skating over that and, you know, um, really teaching the importance of equality and the importance of all of that. Yeah. And explaining what white privilege actually is as opposed to people just thinking, oh, it means white people get everything. Like, that's not what it means. No. And it's just, it's it's really important. We're not the people to talk about that because we're white. So, <laughs> um, but uh, it gets explained a lot and really, really well. There's an episode of Armchair Expert. Um, Dax played, um, he played a character on the show Parenthood and had um and his wife was african-american on the show mm-hmm. and uh, he has her on and they have really good talks That's about funny. uh they always did like in their trailer they would have really good talks about like the difference and things like that and she mm-hmm. really breaks it down well so i'm um, trying to think joy bryant is her name it's a very early episode and she mm-hmm. comes back again um in a, in a more recent episode as well mm-hmm so definitely I'm going to refer you to that because she, she <laughs> explains it perfectly and I'm not going to be able to do that justice. So. Mm. Sip of water. Okay. <laughs> so let's move on to some numbers and things like that. Okay. Okay. Um, and if this starts to go on for too long, I may have to cut it short let me see how we're doing on time oh no we're okay all right it's just kind of a lot so uh we'll see if we start to feel like we've been thorough enough i might just stop okay <laughs> um so because we're it's, not it's, it's, it's a lot so we're yeah. on to the american one now <laughs> we're not a deep dive podcast guys no definitely not but i will refer you to this article because it's really well written and there's a lot of good information in it so this is from time.com because for the win Mm -hmm. Um, and the title of this article is we are being eaten from within why America is losing the battle against white national white nationalist terrorism. I came across this. I thought it was beautifully written, but I was kind of afraid you would use it. So I didn't. (laughs) Yeah. You don't need to do background. Yeah. (laughs) Stop it. Stop (laughs) doing my section. Well, I have to do a little background for myself (laughs) and then I just, I get interested. Oh, you just like, yeah, I gotcha. (laughs) Um, This is written by Vera Bergenugan. Sure. Mm -hmm. And W.J. Hennigan, and it was published August 8th, 2019, so not too long ago. Um, So, this is great. I love this. So, when you think of a terrorist, what do you see? For more than a generation, the image lurking in Americans' nightmares has resembled the perpetrators of 9-11 attacks, the Islamic jihadist. Yeah. Not a 21-year-old white supremacist from a prosperous Dallas suburb. By the way, sorry, just need to cut in here for a second. I started watching Silicon Valley last night. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's on HBO. It's also over, so you can just power through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Kamal Nanjiani is on it, of course. And <laughs> um, another one of the guys is Martin Starr, who we know and love from everything. Mm-hmm. And um, he's Canadian, by the way. Oh, <laughs> and of course so, he is. And um, so we know that Kamal is from Pakistan. And, like, they're trying to get their business set up, and they're, like, talking to the IRS or whatever to get everything set up, and he's like, Dinesh, 
which is Kamel's character. He's like, Dinesh, do you have, they need a copy of your visa. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm a, I'm an American citizen. <laughs> I don't have a fucking visa. <laughs> and he was, and then the, the person corrects him and he's like, oh, sorry, I meant you. And he points at Martin. I can't remember his character. And he, the white dude, of course, in the corner. And he's like, apparently you're Canadian. He's like, yeah, could you pay me in cash? Cause I'm also like not here legally. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks at Kimel looks at me he goes are you fucking kidding me <laughs> and he, it's so funny in the background of the whole rest of the scene Kamel is on this whole rant about foreigners coming about illegal <laughs> illegal aliens coming in and taking jobs <laughs> and it's so funny that's amazing <laughs> oh, it's amazing Oh my god. And then later on in the show, he like gets his citizenship in like 15 minutes. <laughs> and Kamel is like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. It took me three years. I had to prove I wasn't a terrorist. Like, what are you t- <laughs> They looked in my butt. Like, it's. Oh! Just- <laughs> Not really. Yikes. Oh god. It's so funny, though. That's what that just made me think of. <laughs> oh, talk about white privilege. Okay. So, um. <laughs> But long before that young man drove to El Paso, Texas on August 3rd and allegedly murdered at least 22 people at a Walmart crammed with back-to-school shoppers, it was clear that white... Never want to do that now. Um, It was clear that white nationalists have become the face of terrorism in America. Since 9-11, white supremacists and other far-right extremists have been responsible for almost three times as many attacks on U.S. soil as Islamic terrorists. Mm-hmm. That's from a government report, by the way. Oh, God. Sorry, you guys. Hang on. Elevator music. <laughs> do, 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 do. I need a Tums, a Tums music theme. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting Tums break. Tums break. Honey. Yeah, Kay has a mysterious finger infection. I just want to know whose butthole you've been fingering. No one's. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I know. That's why I said it. It just hurts. She's like, whose butthole am I gonna finger? I'm home alone. (laughs) And if it's quarantined, and if it was my own, I'd be very mad at myself. Yeah, I'm kidding. Oh, my God. No butt stuff. I mean, it's all sensation. You do you, babe. Okay. (laughs) So, (laughs) whatever gets you there. Um. (laughs) Yeah, but no butt stuff. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, from 2009 through 2018, the far right has been responsible for 73% of domestic extremist-related fatalities. That's a big number. That's according to a 2019 study by the Anti-Defamation League. And the toll is growing. More people, 49, were murdered by far-right extremists than the the U.S. More people were murdered by far-right extremists in the U.S. last year than in any other year since the Oklahoma City bombing in 1995. Jesus Christ. We can thank our president for that. Um... FBI director Christopher, well, actually, it goes deeper than that, but we can we can definitely thank our president for not, you know, stopping that, stopping it and taking a stand against it. Mm-hmm. Heaven forbid he lose those people as voters. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> what do you mean, you people? 
Sorry. <laughs> we watched Tropic Thunder cri- clips the other day. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, you people? Fucking love that movie. Oh my god. Um. <laughs> FBI Director Christopher Wray told Congress in July that a majority of the Bureau's domestic terrorism investigations since October were linked to white supremacy. Isn't that insane? Yeah. Had Did you ever watch uh, the movie with Daniel Radcliffe, um, Imperium? No. Okay, it was about this um, FBI agent who goes undercover to yes i do know what it's about i just never watched it it was yeah continue sorry explain what it is for the people listening okay so it's another tums (laughs) (laughs) um daniel radcliffe plays this um fbi agent who um goes out in the field and pretends to be a white terror or a white nationalist and uncovers a terrorist plot and like you would never see it coming from the person that does end up like being the perpetrator but it is yeah it is just wild to watch because it's what's happening and like Mm -hmm. there's a personality on there that's kind of like alex jones who you know is is kind of crazy on the radio but like this uh, daniel radcliffe's character tries to that dude is crazy he didn't used to be like there's he didn't used to be like he completely is now but like it's mm-hmm. a little scary like it's so scary i've heard some he conspiracy yeah i've heard some conspiracy theories about him that i'm just kind of like oh okay that would make sense <laughs> like, yeah i bet he's probably a flat earther too okay but so, um, um but yeah it was just <laughs> sorry or were you not done i'm sorry no it's okay Continue. um it like he gets close to this um to this crazy radio station personality and the guy is like okay you're freaking me out like this is not real this, like i'm just hyping this up i i don't really even know why you know i'm just trying to get mm-hmm. listeners like you need to stop and like you see mm-hmm. you see that that's how we're kind of thinking in america that's how like yeah. that's how the media is thinking the media doesn't realize sometimes it's how just trying to get clicks They're yeah not, yeah it doesn't realize They're that not- people are agreeing with it you know? Yeah, and thinking and taking it as fact instead of opinion or looking yeah. at it as entertainment mm-hmm. or farce, you know? Like, it's not, you can't, that's what I'm saying when people defend the president for making jokes. I'm like, it's not the time for jokes. Yeah. When you do an address to the nation during a global pandemic, it's not the time for a joke Yeah. about injecting yourself with disinfectant and getting uv light under your skin it's not the Mm -hmm. time to joke about that because people are scared and they will take what you're saying as fact yeah because you're in a platform of giving factual information and that's what you need to be doing comedy podcast that's blatantly referred to as satire then yeah like snl could do it you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) but no you're the fucking president dude you're not an entertainer you're the leader of our country you might have that's my issue like you that's used to be an entertainer <laughs> but you're not anymore so don't he act like one. one yeah exactly <laughs> he wasn't a good one no um <clears throat> he's always been decidedly mediocre at everything <laughs> okay so yet the nation's leaders have failed to meet this menace in more than a dozen interviews with Time, current and former federal law enforcement and national security officials described a sense of bewilderment and frustration as they watched warnings go ignored and the white supremacist terrorist threat grow. 
Mm-hmm. Over the past decade, so not just from our president, but there has been a fire lit as of late, I believe. Um, yep. Over the past decade, multiple attempts to refocus federal resources on the issue have been thwarted. Entire offices meant to coordinate an, inter- an interagency response to a right-wing extremism were funded, staffed, and then defunded in the face of legal, constitutional, and political concerns. Mm-hmm. The problem, though, that I have with that is that if they were people of color, none of that would have mattered. Today, FBI officials say just 20% of the Bureau's counterterrorism field agents are focused on domestic pro- probes. It That's ridiculous. Way higher. It needs to be, like, way higher. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, 70-30, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, your job is this- to investigate what's happening in the country, not outside of it. Well, like- when you're... Well, yeah, I get it. They need to do what's outside it, too, though, because our president's you know like do some of the sucking russia's dick and all that stuff so like do some of the outside but you're you need to focus on your country but not 80 percent outside (laughs) it's so opposite what the fuck yeah all right so this year alone those agents caseload has included an investigation into an ohio militia allegedly stockpiling explosives to build pipe bombs that sounds fun. A, a self-professed white supremacist Coast Guard officer who amassed an arsenal in his apartment in the greater Washington, D.C. area. Naturally. That's just one dude, though. Um, an attack in April at a synagogue outside San Diego that killed one person. And the July, 20, the July 28th assault at a garlic festival in Gilroy, California that killed three people. These are, like, small... Small br- small beer, though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The fucking clan is resurging. Like, come on, people. Did, okay, real quick. I have this really vivid memory from high school of my history teacher bringing um, this, like, calling card that was left at his door. Um, oh, shit. He, because the clan started leaving their business cards <gasps> basically and the doors and mailboxes they were recruiting yeah they were trying to recruit and and like they were like here's our number you can call us if you see someone <gasps> of color like acting suspicious and no it, it was that's terrifying insane. and like a lot of bowling green got them and oh my it, god it was wild and i think it was in the time where i think it was it was an election year, um, mm, that's which terrible. makes sense because Obama was about to get reelected. So, like, of course mm-hmm. they would resurge. Of course, see, and we'll see. And that's what that last article was talking about: is like you feel like you've been on top, and now you feel like you've been on top for how many thousands of years, and now you're being you feel like you're being unseated. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, Cesar Sayoc. A 57-year-old man from Florida was sentenced to 20 years in prison on August 5th after pleading guilty to mailing 16 pipe bombs to Democrats and critics of Donald of Donald Trump. Great. He took that upon himself. <laughs> 
He's a moron. Okay. The FBI has warned about the rising domestic threat for years, but has not had a receptive audience in the White House. As a result, agency leadership hasn't historically prioritized white supremacist violence, even among homegrown threats. For years, listing eco, quote-unquote eco-terrorism as the top risk, former special agent Michael German told the, <clears throat> told the House Committee on Oversight and Reform in May. Eco-terrorism? Why are we splitting hairs? Yeah. I am more scared about this kind of shit than I am about someone coming from another country and bombing us. Yeah. Because here it's homegrown. We're in this... Yeah, well, that... And here we're in the fucking South. There's, like, rebel flags everywhere, you know? Like, I don't know why those aren't, like, illegal, to be honest with you. Because, like, it's the same as, like, flying a swastika, in my opinion. Oh, it's well, super fucking offensive. Those are flown here too. I've seen one. Hi. Oh yeah, no, I know. They're all. I I said we are in the south. <laughs> they are not nearly as as popular in the northern part of the state, but down here, I mean, it was like culture shock for me as to how much more southern Western Kentucky is than than Louisville. Yeah. Like it's. I mean, there's a dude in Bowling Green with a pickup truck and a full sized confederate flag on a flagpole mounted in the bed of his pickup truck and i'm just like oh so you need everyone to know without a shadow of a doubt that you're a flagrant racist (laughs) without a shadow of a doubt great and that's the thing and a lot of times people are like no but for me it represents the south i'm like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter for hindus the swastika represents peace but it's how it's perceived by others you're wearing it publicly yeah Um, You know what I'm saying? Yeah, when I was working at a school for a little while, a colleague of mine um, had rebel flags painted on her fingernails for a concert she went to. Oh, my God. And came to work like that when we were doing an orientation for new students. Oh, my God. Uh, And she got chewed out by her supervisor. Yeah. Good. And, like, spent the night crying good Uh, which yes good like it just it makes me really sad for her because she can't see like not she just she can't see how she's being received by people she can't see how her ideas are awful and like she could be such a sweet person but no one wants anything to do with her because she's because she's fucking awful yeah (laughs) I don't feel bad for people like that. That's a choice. Yeah. I know. It's a choice to be closed-minded. I know. But anyway. Um, <laughs> it's not that I... Uh, than me. Like, it's not... <laughs> I don't even know if I really, like, necessarily feel bad for her. I just... I knew she was lonely. You're, you're feeling for the situation. Yeah. Yeah. I And, like, I know how people around here are. I know the area she came from. I know she's not getting any other ideas, you know. Yeah, that's and, the problem. But, like. <clears throat> goodness. Sorry. Yeah. It's just, you know. Right. Well, and that's, like, when people get, when a lot of people down in South Carolina and Georgia and Mississippi, they get all, they're, they get all butthurt about the world, the, uh. <clears throat> The Civil War monuments getting torn down. And on they those were not erected until the 60s as a sign of supremacy towards African-American people. Yeah. They weren't even put up after the Civil War. 
<clears throat> and most of the people that they're monuments of are were like, don't make monuments of me. Yeah. <laughs> like, like don't not, do that. <laughs> let's put up people that, and then a bunch of them are like, were like fl- also like flagrant clan members and stuff. Like, why would you want that memorialized? Mm-hmm. There are other ways to memorialize someone's death in the Civil War as opposed to flagrantly rubbing it in your fellow man's face that they are less superior than you. Yeah. Less equal than you. It's it's just absurd. And the the thing is that that's not widely known. And so people get up and they make their these they have all these big opinions and they're not based on fact. They're based on feelings. And feelings are not the same as fact. Mm-hmm. John Oliver so, has a great episode on that. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is where I learned it and my mind was fucking blown. I was like, oh, yeah, those need to all come down. <laughs> that is terrible. Who Put worked? Them in a museum. Who worked on that bar? Museum. Yeah. <laughs> Put them in the Museum of Racism. Yeah. <laughs> and treat it kind of like the Holocaust Museum. You know? Yep. Mm-hmm. Not exactly like. I know they're different, but similar, I feel like. All right. So law enforcement officials say the cancer of white nationalism has metastasized across social media and the dark corners of the internet, creating a copycat effect in which aspiring killers draw insp- I'm so sorry, you guys. I have such bad heartburn. Um, okay. In which aspiring killers draw inspiration and seek to outdo one another. See, that's the other thing, is then it becomes competitive because it's... Let's be real. I mean, women are competitive too, but you know how... How guys can be sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> my dick's bigger. No, my dick's bigger. Um, especially when you go down a hole. You yeah. can get sucked in and it can be really dangerous. So the suspect in El Paso was at, was at least the third this year to post a manifesto on the online message forum 8chan before logging off to commit mass murder. Not good. We need agents monitoring these message boards. Yeah. More people were killed that day in El Paso. Like, they have people who are allegated to, like, monitoring cannibalism <laughs> message boards. Why aren't we monitoring this this in the same way? Ugh. More people were killed that day in El Paso than all 14 service members killed this year on the battlefields in Afghanistan, Iraq, and Syria. Wow. That's terrible. It shouldn't be more dangerous to be at home than to be deployed. No. In war. Like, that's insane. Even if there was a, quote, even if there was a crackdown right now, it's going to take years for the momentum of these groups to fade, says Daryl Johnson, a former senior analyst at the Department of Homeland Security, whose 2009 report on right-wing extremists, extremism was lambasted by conservatives even before it's released. Quote, I'm afraid we've reached a tipping point where we're in for this. Where, wait, sorry. I'm, I can't read. <laughs> I'm afraid okay. we've reached a tipping point where we're in for this kind of violence for a long time. Unquote. Yeah, we're probably going to have to let them die off. Yeah. And age out, which blows because that's not safe. <laughs> and that doesn't make me feel great about bringing a child into this world. No. Um. Uh, Right-wing terrorism is a global problem, resulting in devastating attacks from New Zealand to Norway, but it is particularly dangerous in the U.S., which has more guns per capita than anywhere else in the world. An 
an epidemic of mass shootings, a bedrock tradition of free speech that protects the expression of hateful ideologies and laws that make it challenging to confront a disaggregated movement that exists largely in the shadows of cyberspace. That was a really long sentence. Law enforcement lacks many of the weapons it uses against foreign enemies like Al-Qaeda. To defend America from the danger posed by Islamic terror groups, the federal government built a globe-spanning surveillance and intelligent network capable of stopping attacks before they occurred. Federal agents were granted sweeping authorities by Congress to shadow foreign terrorist suspects. No comparable system exists in domestic terror cases. Which legitimately blows my mind. And further others, people from other countries. Yeah. And people of color. Domestic terrorism is not even a federal crime. I'm sorry. It says terrorism in the title. What do you mean it's not a federal crime? (laughs) You can get charged with terrorism for openly coughing in in a grocery store and pretending to be sick. Did you know that? No. Right now? Yeah. Because people were being silly, and they were going up to people and coughing and trying to make it like a joke, and it was like, um, excuse me, you're terrifying people. Yeah, that's not funny. (laughs) That's terrorism. That's like the fucking basketball player that was doing the, 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 uh, you know, the press conference, and then he touched everything, and then was, was, then he was positive. Yep. Not good. Okay. (laughs) So domestic terrorism is not even a federal crime, forcing prosecutors to change to charge suspects under hate crime laws. And not all states even have hate crime laws, you guys. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Okay, so we're going to I'm going to I'm going to read this last paragraph and then we're going to be done because there's so much more to this article and you guys should definitely come and read it. Because it's definitely worth a read, but we do not have time for me to finish this. No, so, and I'll get the website updated soon, guys. I'm very sorry. It's been a don't semester. Don't apologize. You've had a long semester. <laughs> um, so, quote, white supremacy is great is a greater threat in interna- than in... Blah, blah, blah. Oh, God. Fucking heartburn. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Quote. <laughs> let's try that again. <laughs> White supremacy is a greater threat than international terrorism right now, unquote, says David Hickton, a former U.S. attorney who directs the University of Pittsburgh Institute for Cyber Law, Policy, and Security. We are being eaten from within. Oh, that would make a great t-shirt. Yet Hickton <laughs> yes. says, it's great. Yet Hickton says federal prosecutors are limited in how they try domestic cases. Quote, I've had to pursue a white supremacist with hate crimes and unless he, he interfaced with Al-Qaeda. Does that make any sense? No. No, it fucking doesn't. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. And then it goes on to talk about how President Trump has been kind of instrumental in stirring this pot because of his terrible, ra- horribly racist rhetoric. So, and we're n- we don't have time to get into that rage pot tonight. So, <laughs> no. if you would like to read this beautifully written article, go to time.com and find it. Yes. Again, it was called um, it was called "We Are Being Eaten from Within." Why American, t- which is why they pulled it pulled that beautiful quote into the title. Why yes. America is using losing the battle against white nationals white nationalist terrorism. Everybody should read it. It's fantastic. So maybe we should maybe we could share the link. Um, put the link in the description, maybe. Yeah. So that people can click it and um. 
Yeah, because I've yeah. got a link I want to put because in the description really good. as well. So yeah. we'll have a couple of things in there for you guys if you just want to click. It'll be easier than trying to navigate through the website and stuff right now with it yeah. not being updated. So yeah. Um, and then that, that'll be on the Instagram and stuff too. So you can find it. Mm-hmm. All right. Great. All right. Awesome. You ready for a break? Yes. <laughs> Must pee. <laughs> We're back. Yes. Nice little break. Not Bowel fun. evacuation. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Bladder evacuation. Yes. I have one Tums left in this bottle. Oh my god. All of my the wine struggle is, gone. is real. <laughs> the struggle is real. I feel that. So. I have plenty of wine. I just can't drink it. <laughs> I was, like, smelling Josh's beer at dinner like a crackhead. <laughs> <laughs> I um I poured myself a huge glass of wine. I'm trying to finish off this box of wine c- so I can start in on my new bottle that I bought. On the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I got um my favorite wine. They're only boxing the original Moscato, and they're not boxing the mm-hmm. red Moscato yet. Um, and I got myself oh. a big bottle of red Moscato to start in on after this uh, box nice. is done. So nice, yeah. It's because your soul is full of sugar and sweetness. Yes. <laughs> and I am dark and bitter, so it <laughs> so I drink Chardonnay like the trash I am. <laughs> you are not trash. Oh my god! I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know. I love you. Oh, man. I love you. All right. All right. So, Lay it on me, sister. (laughs) You ready for my story? Okay. So, like I said before our little break, um, I'm going to have a link in the description for you guys as well. Um, As you know, I said at the beginning of the episode that I was listening to Corpse Husband and... I came across a video of someone who had survived a mass shooting. Have you um, explained who that is? I have, but I'll explain again real quick. Just, yeah, re- um, re-explain for everybody. So, Corpse Husband is... It's, I don't know what that sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a music artist. We don't know. Well, he is. He is, actually, um, which is right, fun. Right, but that's not what but, we were listening to. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he... Um, he is a creator on YouTube who narrates um, scary stories. So he he narrates like listener stories. He narrates mm-hmm. stuff that he finds on Reddit. Um, he has a wonderful like two and a half hour long video on search and rescue stories, which is incredible. Um, and he mm-hmm. he has this beautiful voice, and he uses his platform to bring awareness about certain issues. And His like, voice is very soothing. Yes. Like, you can really, like, get into a groove with him. Yeah. And, like, he just, he has emotion. And, like, you hear his voice and you think he shouldn't, but he does. And he's just, he's a wonderful person inside and out. And, um... Kay knows him personally. Yes, I do, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) They're best friends. Yes. I wish. Um... Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) He's, he's like, 
almost exactly five months younger than I am, which is really weird. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, right? Yeah, I'm getting to the point where, like, all these people that I'm admiring are, like, really successful. And then I'm like, oh, they're, like, three years older than me. (laughs) Right? Or it's like, oh, they're, like, five years younger than me. (laughs) I'm like, what the fuck have I done with my life? Which is dangerous. (laughs) Don't compare yourself. But, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, but anyway, he's just, he's wonderful. I love listening to his stuff. You should definitely go check him out. Um, and he's also got. So this was what, this inspired, this inspired your story? Yeah. Yeah. It inspired me picking this topic. Um, because I, I I really wanted to talk about it. And, um. There's also an episode of Wine and Crime on this topic that's very well done as well, you guys. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did and an way more job. hilarious because <laughs> they were not tired. <laughs> um, but also just one quick note about Corpse Husband: if you have SoundCloud, go listen to his music. It's awesome. It's rap music slash rock music and or like um, alternative music, and it's glorious. But um, anyway, nice. So I like a fusion. Yeah, me too. So he um his mass shooting video um. The first person account was from a person who survived the Aurora, Colorado shooting. Okay. And that's the case I decided I wanted to cover. Okay. Um, so, I a quick note before I really dig into this. Um, I'm going to start with the victims, as I normally do in situations like this. Um, so... 82 casualties were reported. 70 were hit by bullets reported by mainstream news as the most victims of any mass shooting in the United States history. This figure would not be surpassed until the 2016 Orlando nightclub shooting, which killed 49 people and injured 58 others for a combined total of 107 casualties. And again, this is in the United States. These are committed by white men. Actually, the Orlando shooting might not have been. This one was. Um, so Nice, Kay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm tired. Um, four people's eyes were irritated by the tear gas grenades, while eight others sustained non-gunshot injuries while fleeing the theater. The massacre was the deadliest shooting in Colorado since the Col- Columbine High School massacre on April 20th, 1999. Ten victims died at the scene, and two more were pronounced dead in local hospitals. Four men, Jonathan Blunk, John Larimer, Matt McQuinn, and Alexander Tivis, died protecting their girlfriends. Gordon Cowden died saving the lives of his two teenage daughters. The people murdered were Jonathan Blunk, age 26, Alexander J. Boyk, 18, Jesse Childress, 29, Gordon Cowden, 51, Jessica Redfield, 24, John Larimer, 27, Mac McQuinn, 27, Michaela Medic, 23, Veronica Mosier Sullivan, who was only six. Um, and she is mentioned in the story that I um, was telling you guys about earlier. Um, and she was really important. So, um, not not to say that the others weren't, but she was definitely the youngest. Oh, that's terrible. Um, 
Alex Sullivan, who was 27, Alexander C. Tevez, who was 24, and Rebecca Wingo, who was 31. Um, Ashley Mosier, who was Veronica Mosier Sullivan's mother, suffered critical injuries after being shot in the chest and was rendered a paraplegic. She miscarried a week after the attack. Oh, no. Um... Three of the hospitals that treated the victims um, announced that they would limit the medical bills or forgive them entirely. Um, and they're like the people were sent to five different hospitals. So that was kind of crazy that at least three of them uh, waived the fees. Um, Caleb Medley, the last victim discharged, left University Hospital on September 12th. He had serious brain damage and an injury to his right eye from a shotgun blast to the head and underwent three brain surgeries. He required a feeding tube, had severely impaired movement, and could no longer speak. The Community First Foundation collected more than $5 million for a fund for victims and their families. In September, victims and their families received surveys asking about their preferences for how collected funds should be distributed, either by dividing it equally among victims or through a needs assessment process. On November 16, 2012, the Aurora Victim Relief Fund announced that each claimant would receive $220,000. Whoa. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just want to say real quick why I'm not getting too much into the person that did it. Um, there was a campaign against media coverage. Um, in 2015, a campaign called No Notoriety was started by the parents of Alexander Tevis, who died in the shooting. According to his father, the campaign's incentive is to encourage media outlets to limit the usage of the suspect's name and photos while reporting about the Aurora shooting, as well as other mass shootings that receive national media coverage. In an interview on CNN, his parents said that they and the relatives of other victims believe the mass media coverage of Holmes's name and photo may inspire others to commit mass shootings for notoriety. Um, mm. And there was a memorial, uh, and this is the last thing before I really get into the details of what happened. Um, A memorial to the victims of the attack was installed near Aurora Municipal Center, some 850 meters from the theater, and dedicated on July 19, 2018, one day before the sixth anniversary anniversary of the attack. It consists of a park-like dell with 83 abstract birds, one for each victim. Thirteen of the birds with translucent wings are on a center column and represent the 12 dead and the unborn child. The memorial, titled Mm -hmm. Ascent, Accentuate? Accentuate? Sure. Yeah. Sure. (laughs) Uh, Was designed... Absolutely. Thank you. (laughs) It's whatever you want it to be, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The memorial was designed by artist Doe Bloomberg. Um, So, what the fuck am I talking about? On July 20th, 2012, a mass shooting occurred inside a Century 16 movie theater in Aurora, Colorado, during a midnight screening of the film The Dark Knight Rises. Dressed in tactical clothing, James Egan Holmes set off tear gas grenades and shot into the audience with multiple firearms. Twelve people were killed and 70 others were injured, 58 of them from gunfire. It was the deadliest shooting in Colorado since the Columbine High School Massacre, which I already said, um... 
Holmes was arrested in his car outside the cinema minutes later. Mm. Earlier, he had rigged his apartment with homemade explosives and incendiary devices, which were diffused oh by my the God. Mm-hmm, which were diffused by the Arafel County Sheriff's Office bomb squad a day after the shooting. The shooting prompted an increase in security at movie theaters across the U.S. that were screening the same film in fear of copycat crimes. It led to a spike oh in God. gun sales in Colorado and political debates about gun control in the United States. Um. Holmes confessed to the shooting but pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. Arafo County prosecutors sought no. the death No. No. Um, <laughs> prosecutors sought the death penalty for Holmes. The trial began yeah. on April Yeah, exactly. The reason yes. <laughs> The reason why I don't believe in the death penalty, but that sounds pretty justified and we know he was guilty cuz yeah. he said he was. So <laughs> Um, another reason why I picked this case is because whenever mass shootings tend to occur in America, if it is a white male that has done it, the first thing they try to go to is Is mental illness and insanity. Yes. Exactly. Like, no one else in other races has that. Oh, I just felt sad. Yeah, no. Fuck off. And... The fact that they sought the death penalty for him is a little unheard of. And it's great. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, So this makes me happy. Yeah. Not happy for the victims. No, but. But, you know. Glad that he is. Yeah, glad that he's being brought to justice. Because a lot of them kill themselves before they can be. And that's why we don't know a lot of the motives. Like, I kept finding cases that there wasn't a motive because the person was dead. And they had no idea. they couldn't figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So we can't fix it if we don't know. Yeah. So, uh, the trial began on April 27th, 2015. On July 16th of that year, he was convicted of 24 counts of first-degree murder, 140 counts of attempted first-degree murder, and one count of possessing explosives. On August 7th, he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. On August 26th, Mm. he was given 12 life sentences, one for every person he killed. He also received 3,318 years for the attempted murders of those he wounded and for rigging his apartment with explosives. So he is never getting out. Good. Um, He shouldn't ever get out. No. He had his whole fucking apartment rigged like it was an Indiana Jones tomb. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, I, I also want to say, I remember when this movie came out. I remember when that happened. Um, My friend and I... What was the movie called again? It was The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, yes, I do remember this. I went to the theater on the and saw it. And then after this, they made it so that it wasn't midnight showings for a long time. For anything. They did 10 p.m. Yeah. And I was like, the time doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not because it was midnight. You guys are missing the point. Yeah. It Um, was really cool, though, because, like, that was, like, the last time, like, the theater department at Western, they all dressed up like Batman villains and, like, went around and did little shows and skits and stuff for everybody Mm -hmm. at the premiere. It was so cool. And then now they can't, they can't let anyone, like, come in and heavy makeup and stuff like that anymore because of this shit. Yeah. They had to shut it down. 
I feel like I remember sitting there next to Nikki's boyfriend and he like pulled up the article and was like, oh, so there was a mass shooting. Oh, God. I mean, I remember like my friend and I actually had tickets to go see this movie. We'd bought them in advance and it was Mm -hmm. like a few days after it came out that we were going to go see it. And that happened. And my mom was like, I don't know that I'm comfortable with you going and watching that movie. Like, not that. It was, be- it was like, the movie's fault, but, like... No, it wasn't the movie's fault at all. No. She's like, I don't feel comfortable. Was it... Wait, I'm already... Sorry, pregnancy brain. Is it The Dark Knight or The Dark Knight Rises again? Dark Knight Rises. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> I just was making sure. Oh, it's okay. Um, oh, God. my mom, like, I remember her... Making sure I had that story right. <laughs> it's okay. Sorry. I, I- keep interrupting you. Keep, <laughs> keep talking. I remember, like, her getting mad that they were still showing it. And I was like, it's it's not... It's not the movie's fault. Yeah. It's, that would be censorship. Yeah. Which is also wrong. <laughs> like what happened with the interview, which was terrible. Oh, yeah. I have yet to see that movie. I, I need I to watch it. I haven't watched it yet, either. Um, it's not... It's not Seth Rogen's proudest moment. I saw him talking about that in an interview the other day. He was like, that was the one that we got made the the easiest. (laughs) We had the least red tape with that movie. And he was like, I think because we didn't have to jump through so many hoops, it didn't turn out as well as I liked. So, (laughs) like, he's like, all our other ones turn out awesome because people don't, uh, people don't think they should be made. And so we have to hone and hone and hone. Yeah. And that one just skated through and, <laughs> and caused a national <laughs> panic. <laughs> I remember that was so crazy. That was a that really was so scary crazy. time. Yeah, my dad and I had a long debate on that <laughs> in the kitchen. I mean, I think we were mostly agreeing with each other, but it was like a long discussion. It yeah. was crazy. Um, that was so crazy. So North Korea, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to talk a little bit about what went down during this. Um, and like just to kind of give you an idea of the kind of terrorism that we are experiencing, you know, here at home. Um, because these people, when it's domestic, they know when people feel safe. And they yes. know that that's when they can strike. And it exactly. make an impact. Um, and that's the scariest part about living life. You know, you, well, they you never always know. always go for the place where it hurts the most. That's yeah. why you know it's not insanity. Mm-hmm. That's calculated. Yeah. You know? And not to say that some of them aren't mental health related. Because they definitely are. We're not saying that. But I think the majority is not. Yeah. And I think that we need to stop going immediately to mental illness being the problem. Because Mm -hmm. they are so much... Because we don't have all the facts. Yeah. And they are so much more likely to be victims than they are to be perpetrators. And it's not... Yes, we are. (laughs) It's not fair. We who have mental illness. (laughs) Yes, it's it's not fair. And it's... that's what's making the stigma so bad and that's why everyone's we're doing the whole hashtag break the stigma thing and all of that yeah so oh my god sorry i just saw the most insane 
banana pudding. <laughs> Carrie. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have to distract myself or I'll interrupt you too much. I know. I really oh God, want banana pudding. Just with saliva. I'm going to make banana pudding when we get off here. From a box, not in this beautiful way with vanilla wafers and whipped cream. <laughs> it will be a poor substitute, but oh my god. <laughs> it says shipped nationwide. Oh my god, girl. I'm in trouble. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Let's keep going. I'm so sorry. That was <laughs> that was so crazy. Okay. Oh goodness, we need we took a break from this horrible case for banana pudding. I That's mean, how you we know we're southern. To, <laughs> we needed to. I know. It was important. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the shooting occurred in Theater 9 at the Century 16 Multiplex, um operated by Cinemark, located in the town center at Aurora Shopping Mall. Police said that Holmes bought a ticket, entered the theater, and sat in the front row. About 20 minutes into the film, he left Theater 9 through an emergency exit door beside the movie screen with direct access to the lightly used parking area at the back of the complex while propping the door slightly open with a plastic tablecloth holder. There were about 400 people inside Theater 9. Holmes then went to his car, which was parked near the exit door, changed into some protective clothing, and retrieved his guns. About 30 minutes into the movie, police say, around 12.30 a.m., he re-entered the theater through the exit door. Holmes So, was- okay, all of that right there proves it's not you can't do insanity plea. Yep. That's all calculated. That's all completely planned. It's not like he walked in covered in blood and, <laughs> and just, just started shooting up the place. Yeah. yeah, no. He was hiding... He planned an outfit change. There was a costume involved. Like, no. <laughs> nah, I mean, true. Um, he might as well have had someone wheel him in in a cheese cart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Holmes was dressed in black and wore a gas mask, a load-bearing vest, not to be confused with a bulletproof vest, a ballistic helmet, bullet-resistant leggings, a bullet-resistant throat protector, a groin protector, and tactical gloves. He was also listening to techno music through a set of headphones so that the reactions in the theater could not be heard. Oh my god, what an asshole. Mm-hmm. Initially, few in the audience considered him to be a threat. According to witnesses, he appeared to be wearing a costume like other audience members who had dressed up for the screening. Some believed he oh was playing god. a prank. Others just thought he was part of a special effects installation set up for the film's premiere or a publicity stunt by the studio or theater management. Way to ruin cosplay for all of us. Yeah. Thank you for that. (laughs) Jackass. Big dick. (laughs) (laughs) It was reported that he threw two canisters emitting a gas or smoke, partially obscuring the audience member's vision, making their throats and skin itch, and causing eye irritation. He then fired a 12-gauge Remington 870 Express tactical shotgun. Gauge. Gauge. (laughs) Gouge is is a verb. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) First at the ceiling and then at the audience. He also fired a Smith & Wesson M&P 15 semi-automatic rifle with a 100-round drum magazine, which eventually malfunctioned. Um, Finally, he fired a 40 caliber Glock 22 Gen 4 handgun. 
He shot first to the back of the room and then toward people in the aisles. A bullet passed through the wall and hit three people in the adjacent Theater 8, which was screening the same film. Witnesses said the multiplex's fire alarm system began sounding soon after the attack began and staff told people in Theater 8 to evacuate. One witness said she was hesitant to leave because someone yelled that someone was shooting in the lobby. Mm. He fired 76 shots in the theater, 6 from the shotgun, 65 from the semi-automatic rifle, and 5 from the oh forty caliber, caliber handgun. That's so much. Yeah. That's so much. The f- Good um, lord. Yeah. Um, so now we're going to talk a little bit about the police response and the explosive devices that were found in his apartment. Um, and then we'll be about done because I've gone over a lot of this and I wanted to talk about Christopher Nolan's response as well as, um, the actress's responses. Um, so the first phone calls to emergency service were made at 1239 AM. So 10 minutes after the shooting started. Police arrived within 90 seconds and found three uh, 40 caliber handgun magazines, a shotgun, and a large drum magazine on the floor of the theater. Some people reported the, the shooting via Twitter or text messaging rather than calling the police. Officers were already at the theater by the time the tweets had been sent. Ambulances were hindered by chaos and congestion in the parking lot, and they were unable to reach the back of the complex where people where police had pulled the injured out of the emergency exit doors of Theater 9. By then, Sergeant Stephen Redfern, one of the first police officers who arrived on the scene, sent victims to area hospitals and squad cars. About 12.45 a.m., police officer Jason Oviatt apprehended Holmes behind the cinema next to his car without resistance. He was initially mistaken for another police officer because of the tactical clothing that he was wearing. He was described as oh being... Oh my god. Mm-hmm. He was described as being calm and disconnected during his arrest. According to two federal officials, he had dyed his hair red and called himself the Joker, although authorities later declined what? to confirm this. Which, is he had some crazy looking hair. He definitely did it at home. Um. <laughs> this is definitely a home dye job, and he hadn't done it very well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, three days later, at his Spend first Spend the money on a stylist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. Three days later, at his first court appearance in Centennial, Colorado, Holmes now had reddish-orange hair. The officers found several firearms in the theater and inside the shooter's car, including another Glock 22 handgun. Holmes was also carrying a first-aid kit and spike strips, which he later admitted in an interview he planned to use if police either shot or, ca- or chased him. Following his arrest, he was initially jailed at the Arafoe County Detention Center under suicide watch. The police interviewed over 200 witnesses of the shooting. Speaking on behalf of himself and FBI agent James Yacone, who was in charge of the investigation, Aurora Police Chief Dan Oates said he was confident that the shooter acted alone. Um, Mm -hmm. So, when apprehended, Holmes told the police that he had booby-trapped his apartment with explosive devices before heading off to the movie theater. Police then evacuated five buildings surrounding his Aurora residence, about five miles north of the cinema. Holmes's apartment complex is limited to University of Colorado Medical Center students, patients, and employees. 
One day after the shooting, officials disarmed an explosive device that was wired to the apartment's front door, allowing a remote-controlled robot to enter and disable other explosives. The apartment... What? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The apartment... That's... Oh, God. That's so crazy. That's so crazy. Right? The apartment held over 30 homemade grenades wired to a control box in the kitchen and filled with at least 110 liters. 30 grenades in an apartment? Mm Mm-hmm. I told you it was fucking insane. This place was going to, like, tear the street apart. He would have killed so many more people. Oh, yeah. Um... It was wired to a control box in the kitchen and filled with at least 110 liters, which is about 30 U.S. gallons of gasoline. Uh, Neighbors reported loud music from the apartment around midnight on the night of the massacre, and one went to his door to tell him she was calling the police. She said the door seemed to be unlocked, but she chose not to open it. A police official... (laughs) I'm almost wondering (laughs) if she kind of did, saw what the fuck was happening, and just closed it. And walked away. Like, oh, I didn't open that door. <laughs> I hadn't touched shit. <laughs> a police official said a Batman mask was found in the apartment as well. On July 23rd, police finished collecting evidence from the apartment. Two days later, residents were allowed to return to the four surrounding buildings. And six days later, residents were allowed to move back into the formerly booby-trapped building. Um... So now I want to talk about the response from uh, Christopher Nolan and the entertainment industry. Um, Mm -hmm. And also, government real quick. Um, The evening after the shooting, a candlelight vigil was held at the site in Aurora. President Barack Obama ordered flags at government buildings flown at half-staff in tribute to the victims until July 25th. Both Obama's and Mitt Romney's campaigns temporarily suspended television advertising in Colorado for the 2012 presidential election. On July 22nd, President Obama met with victims and local and state officials and gave a nationally televised speech from Aurora. Many world leaders sent their condolences, including Queen Elizabeth II, French President Francois Hollande, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, and Russian President Vladimir Putin and Pope Benedict uh, the 16th. Um, so mm-hmm. um, I'm going to just quote uh, Christopher Nolan here real quick. Um, I would not presume to know anything about the victims of the shooting, but that they were there last night to watch a movie. I believe movies are one of the great American art forms and the shared experience of watching a story unfold on screen is an important and joyful pastime. The movie theater is my home and the idea that someone would violate that innocent and hopeful place in such an unbearably savage way is devastating to me. Nothing any of us could say could ever adequately express our feelings for the innocent victims of this appalling crime, but our thoughts are with them and their families. Oh, man. Um, I mean, that's so true, though. Like, you can't, um, you also don't get to, people don't get to then blame this movie for this person being a nut. Yeah. And being an asshole. Like, you don't get to use the excuse and the cover of a character that's been around for decades. Yeah. To then, as an excuse for your shitty opinions 
Exactly. I just wanted to see what it would be like to kill a bunch of people. Well, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Did he say why he did it? Did I miss it? He... I didn't get into that too much. I, I think that he was just... So enveloped in the story of Dark Knight Rises and the story of Batman and Joker that mm-hmm. he just decided that he was going to be the next Joker. Oh my god. And I and that's part of why I want to get into this little bit about the entertainment industry because a lot of changes were made which were important. Mm-hmm. So, um, I will say that Warner Brothers reportedly made a substantial donation to Colorado's Community First Foundation to benefit the victims. Um, and Christian Bale, who plays Batman in the film series, privately visited victims on July 24th of that year. Um, Aww. Members of the That's Col- sweet of him. Right? Um, members of the Colorado... I don't usually consider him a very sweet person, but <laughs> <laughs> that was very sweet. Right? Uh, Members of the Colorado Rockies baseball team also visited victims. Members of the Denver Broncos also called or visited individuals at the hospitals. Warner Brothers instructed cinemas to stop screening a a trailer for the film Gangster Squad, which preceded the Dark Knight Rises screenings in some cities, because it contained a scene involving the main characters shooting at a movie theater audience with machine guns. The film's release date was rescheduled... Give me just a second. Oh, okay. Sorry. (laughs) It's okay. The film's release date was rescheduled to January 2013, and the theater scene was replaced by a new sequence in a different setting. In the wake of the shooting... Uh, mm Mm-hmm. In the wake of the... I don't know how I feel about that. That feels like an interview situation. Like, I know it's insensitive, but... Whether that scene's in the movie or not, it doesn't matter. Like, that doesn't mean that movie theater shootings aren't going to happen because you don't put it in movies anymore. Yeah, I know that. But it's also, I think it was Uh, to not glorify what happened either. Right, but I'm sure that it wasn't. I'm sure that it wasn't painted as a good thing in the movie. I just don't like censorship. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't like that. No, it's okay. I. I mean, that seems that seems like a weenie move to me. But they would have caught shit either way. To be honest with you, because it's the fucking country we live in. Yeah. But whatever. That's a choice. Personally, I don't agree. But whatever. We can continue. <laughs> I mean, I think it would be different though if you had been in that theater. And then you... I don't think it would be. It's just like how people say that, oh, the Hunger Games, I don't like it because it's kids in danger. Mm -hmm. Violence is violence. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Whether we put it in the movie or not, it's still going to fucking happen. Yeah. If I decide to pull all the violent scenes of kids being in danger out of the Hunger Games, it doesn't stop kid violence across the country. I know. I just... That's censoring art. I don't... I don't... I don't agree. (laughs) Sure, like there's a scene in it, so move the date. That makes sense to be sensitive. But yeah. reshooting, that seems excessive. I'm just saying. That's my opinion. We don't have to agree. <laughs> I, 
I know. I just. I don't know. I kind of agree with it in that. Yeah, you can agree with it and I can disagree. That's allowed. (laughs) I'm not mad at you about it. Goodness gracious, continue. It's just, (laughs) I'm, I don't know. It's very, like, like, I get why they did it. And I think that it was. It was I do a choice. get why I did it. I just don't agree. <laughs> well, um, <sighs> anyway, that was about all I really wanted to cover. There's a whole lot more in this. Um, and this is all just from Wikipedia. This is all the source That's is kind so of crazy, in one spot. Cause, like, I didn't realize you were going to do one that we both could remember. And like I, you said the name of that town and I was like, that sounds familiar. What does that town sound familiar? <laughs> and that's why. Yeah. <laughs> because I was at that premiere. Yeah. Here in Bowling Green. And everyone got alerts on their phones. Yeah. Either during the movie, after the movie or right before. I can't remember because there's a, there's a time difference, you know? Yeah. But yeah. Like that was... I don't think I've ever actually watched that movie since. I don't I don't think I have either. To be we honest own with it, you. but I have not watched that movie since. And it could be an unconscious desire to kind of wipe this from yeah. memory, but it was also a really long movie, so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It was good, but it was so long. It was. But yeah, it does it it, it does kind of bring it up when you go back and watch it yeah you're like every you kind of can't help it like you pull it out and you're like oh hey remember when this premiered and people that weirdo decided to go be an be an asshole and ruin cosplay and the joker for everyone yeah (laughs) it was very brave of them and you know with with all the censorship that happened around this it's kind of incredible when you think about it that the joker movie even got made oh yeah you know Probably. And I haven't seen the Joker movie, so I don't know if there's, if it's different enough. You know what I'm saying? Which is why I say I kind of get why they changed it during that time. Like, if if they had decided to wait and release it a few years after the fact, I could see them not changing it. But I, you know, it like, once it's far enough removed, I can see... Yeah, but it's just a totally different context. It's yeah. not a Joker. It's not the Joker. This dude was obsessed with that character. Yeah. The Joker never shoots up a movie theater. Yeah. That I've seen. He did that himself, you know? So, yeah. So, I, I don't know. It's whatever. I also, like, I haven't watched a whole lot of I see both the, sides. I yeah. just know what my choice would have been. Yeah. <laughs> if I was in charge. <laughs> um... But yeah, that's that's what I was. Was that it? Are we done? On. Yeah, yeah. Good job. Thank Ugh. you. I Goodness literally pulled Lord. all that from Wikipedia, and I know it was kind of heavy, but I think it needed to be yeah, talked a little about. heavy, a little dry, <laughs> <laughs> a little sad. Tried to throw a few jokes in there. It's hard to joke about that. <laughs> We're very tired. Okay, let's play a game because I want to go to bed. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to make some pudding and go to bed. All right. So um, this is our game. I already sent you yours because mm-hmm. um, I'm on it this week. <laughs> um, 
Also because we cleaned out the nursery and so the game is now sitting on my dresser. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't have it kept in another room. Which seems like the perfect answer to all of our problems of like, why don't I just move the game? <laughs> so I don't have to remember. <laughs> exactly. <coughs> and I didn't think about it until after until I was moving that stuff out of the nursery and I was like, oh, the answer's been here all along. <laughs> <laughs> okay so this is our game by drunks under stupid called if you had to and i believe it's your turn to go first are you sure i think it is i do not have a functioning brain cell in my head right now though so i'm pretty sure it's yours is it mine okay yeah. all right so um if you had to would you share a studio appointment with <laughs> share a studio apartment with a horny moose Oh, God. <laughs> or? Uh, you're a peasant in medieval Europe. Oh, God. I'm sorry, I'm taking the moose. Oh, no. Because That's it, such a rock and a hard place. It, <laughs> Get it? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't say I have to be at the apartment all the time. That's true. Okay, I'm, I'm on your side. <laughs> I am 100% on your side. I can <laughs> bring out your dead. <laughs> oh goodness gracious! Well, that was a quick one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wasn't hard to choose. <laughs> no, no. When you put it that way. Um. All right, you guys. Thank you so so much for listening. Um, we know it's been a heavy ten. The next ten will be a little lighter and more fun. Um, hope you guys are staying safe. Please remember that they are not reopening things because it is safe for us to be out and about. They're reopening it to help the economy. So please remember to continue wearing your masks, washing your hands, being considerate of your fellow man. Um, and uh, anything else you need to plug or? No. No? <laughs> Okay, <laughs> that was a very long pause. <laughs> I couldn't um, think. Actually, there might oh, be. Oh, it's okay. We're very tired. I've, uh, I'll remember it next Remember time. to watch things, consume media that brings you joy. Um, yes. Definitely. This isn't the time to read the diary of Anne Frank. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Please do not do that right now. Like. <laughs> um. But um, more than anything, we definitely want you to stay safe and remember... You are not a monster. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to Talk Crooked. Music is by Gisla Niebach. Check out our website, talkcrooked.wixsite.com slash podcast for sources and visual aids, as well as resources to get involved. To keep up with our nonsense and stay up to date on all things crooked, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook at Talk Crooked. To keep the shots coming, access ex exclusive bonus content, get a free poster, and a shout-out on air, head on over to our Patreon. All links can be found on our website. You can listen to us basically anywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you have interesting stories relating to our content, please send them to talkcrooked at gmail.com for a chance to be featured on the show. For business inquiries or sponsorships, please email us at carryandkbusiness at gmail.com. See you next time. <laughs>